welcome in to another episode of Turn the Corner, a Detroit Tigers podcast. I'm Kieran Steckley. With me, as always, is a man who lives his life playing with house money. He is Cody Stavenhagen. How you doing? Hey, Kieran. I'm doing good. How are you? I, I'm fired up. I gotta be honest. And there are very <laughs> obvious reasons for me to be fired up. But actually, I kind of wanted to start out with a little bit of like a personal question. Like, a lot of times we do these pods, I'm like, all right, you're in the clubhouse. You're, you know, you're doing your thing. It's okay, Merle. Got a podcast producer, Merle, in here right now. You're doing your thing. I was like, what's the vibe of the clubhouse? I do want to get to that. But I, I want to ask, what's the vibe with you? Because, look, this is, in my opinion, a hella interesting team to cover. You know, obviously, you're not as jovial as I am right now, obviously. Big J journalist over here. But it seems to me like this is a pretty fun team to cover right now, Cody. How are you doing with this? What's your vibe? Yeah, it's pretty good. We're we're on track to have a pretty good summer right here. So far, so good. And in terms of... Um, this team, this is this is really all you could ask for, right? It's all I've ever asked for. Be relevant, be interesting. You know, that's uh, that's definitely what I'm rooting for. And right now, you couldn't draw it up any better. You know, right at the 500 mark, just enough ebbs and flows to give us plenty to talk about. A bad division, which is going to keep the Tigers uh, somewhat in it for, I would say, at least another month. You know, we'll see what happens. You, if you fall five games out, even in this division, I don't know. You got a puncher's chance. Um, people, I think are slowly starting to get more engaged. That's been kind of the, the interesting thing I was talking about with a couple other people like audience engagement, right? I think that two and nine start really tanked things, right? I mean, I look at my numbers, it was like, boom. And then now they're kind of normal again, you know, and now it's like, all right, are people really going to catch on in June and July or more than months when that happens anyway, there's not a ton going on with other sports, the tiger so so we we kind of got the relevant may you know now i'm hoping for the relevant june let's take it one month at a time or uh coach speak answer i don't know i'm, I'm really just focused on my next story you know it's all uh, just trying to put myself in a position to succeed and make sure i'm putting in the right work and then the results will come <laughs> there you go sounds like you've heard that a time or two you know like <laughs> i get i get questions all the time you know friends and colleagues and stuff oh how the tigers are doing and this was a thursday night actually and you know opened the series up against chicago with the win there and i was like well you know start out two and nine and at the time i believe yeah two games below 500 you know feel pretty good and they're like okay okay and again they're rangers fans so that's a little bit relevant considering they're about to see the tigers for the first time but i i tell you what like this is as much fun as I've had watching the Tigers in a while. Because it's not just that they're winning games. And again, we're not overrating what their record is. But they're winning in very fun ways. Today, very fun. Saturday, kind of the same thing. You take the lead. That's obviously fun. You give it up. That's not so cool. But then you come back late. And, you know, today's case, as late as you can go. And, and, and get the win and do it in multiple facets. Like, you got guys like Akil Badu hitting Grant Slams. We're going to bring that up a little bit later, by the way. We, this is a fun time to watch this team. And the fact that they're in this heap of a division, you know, like, 
it's got me thinking some things, Cody. I don't want to. I don't want to say what they are out loud, but it's got me thinking some things because somebody has to win this division again. We'll we'll kind of get get back to that in a little bit. But I have to imagine the guys on the team right now, kind of feeling themselves. Which, by the way, when you have a five and two week, considering how it started and considering some what these players have been through, they should be feeling themselves. This is. A good group of guys right now playing good baseball. You know, like Scott Harris building a team. It's like stacking quality baseball move after quality baseball move. They're kind of stacking quality baseball games on top of each other. And that's how we're here. Because if you look at a lot of like the overall numbers, which again are kind of skewed because you consider how bad the start was. But if you just look at the overall numbers, it doesn't really dictate a team that's only a couple games below 500. And... What is that? And it gets me thinking, like, what is that a credit to? Well, it has to be credit to the players. It has to be credit to the coaching staff, which <sighs> AJ, AJ Hinch suggestion box. We're getting to the point, bro, where you're going to have to kind of let some of these assistant coaches shine a little bit because I don't know what else to associate it with other than that. And like the scheme, the plan, like how they're doing everything is working because this configuration of a lineup early in the season, if you told me, you know, no Meadows and McKinstry starting every day and leading off and like all these other things and you got a handful of injuries in the pitching staff, you're going to be kind of like right there knocking on the door of the division lead regardless of record or just right there at 500 come Memorial Day. You know, like, I don't I don't know what I would tell you at the time, especially considering the home opener that I witnessed. So, like, there's a, there's a lot of things kind of going through my mind. I kind of feel like they're punching above their weight, but I also don't feel like the Tigers are inadequately the record that they are. You see what I'm saying? Because I could, I could tell you, this feels like a 500 team. This feels like a team that is a... What's, what, what is 500? Average. This feels like a average baseball team that is winning games on a consistent basis. That's what you do if you're an average team, right? I don't mean that as an insult. Even though there are a couple of games below 500, this feels like a team that is an average baseball team. We haven't really been able to say that here. I don't know if you've ever been able to say that on your time as a record, and we haven't, as Tigers fans, been able to say that for a long time. So that's a long-winded way to say... I'm feeling pretty good. I don't necessarily know why in terms of the metrics and all that stuff and what's sustainable. Right now, feeling really good. Well, don't look too hard at the metrics because there's still not a lot of data points that really suggest uh, to get encouraged. We were saying after the game, like, this is the the happiest sub-500 team of all time, though, because you're right. Uh, Love guys, it. Guys, you know, there's a great feel around around the team. It's it's fun being at the ballpark. It's fun for me. The guys in the clubhouse, you know, Riley Green sets like playing summer ball growing up. Uh, and you're 25 and 26. You're not a 500 team. And it's it's like the greatest thing of all time, uh, given these guys are punching their weight, given how bad the Tigers have been in recent memory. The one question I had, I, I talked about this with Craig Monroe a little bit today. It's like, right, you look at all these numbers still you know, even in May, when it seems like they've played so well, 29th in slugging percentage in the month of May, 
Um, some of the pitching numbers are more encouraging, especially when you look at like first pitch strike rates. But offensively, it's 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 hard to find the data to really get juiced about. But then it's like, well, have they really hit their stride as an offense yet? And I, I've never thought that there's a lot of upside in this lineup. Uh, but Riley and McKinstry seem to have emerged as dudes. And you, you still have a long list of guys who you feel like, I'm not saying they're going to get on fire, but can have a good two weeks here or there. Like is the, like Eric Haas, for example. Great, great example. Like that guy's going to have a nice a couple weeks at some point, you would think. Like, is there is there a couple weeks stretch in which this offense really hits its stride? I could definitely be talked into that. And then that, that kind of gets you thinking. And again, thank God for the AL Central, because if you were in the AL East, this team would be in last place and would be out of it. But you're in the AL Central. It's like, well, imagine if you really cook in the middle of June when you see the Twins like six or seven times. Interesting to think where this could be headed. Now, I've said all year this team's going to do just enough to, to get you excited, to get you believing. I don't know that they really have the collection of talent to to follow through on all that. But here we are now. They're interesting. They're giving us stuff to talk about. And given the lack of collective talent on the roster, that's about all you can ask for. Uh, me as an impartial observer, it's it, it's fun. If you're a Tigers fan, I hope you're enjoying this. I hope you go out to the ballpark because um, better baseball than we've seen around here in, in a long time, no doubt. Well, you mentioned the ballpark uh, this weekend. Again, the team playing well and all that stuff. Like, what was what was kind of the vibe? They yeah, had the, had the yeah, bucket that, hat giveaway and all that stuff. Like, uh, how was the, the bucket ballpark? hat? Man, everyone loved the terrible bucket hat. I got one for you, Kieran. I can uh, put it in the mail for you. Yeah, I, I, I looking forward you to, to wear it. it. Wear it while mowing the lawn, you know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, um, that that Saturday crowd was was really good and a, a good game. Or Friday, maybe um, Friday and Saturday, really good crowds, good atmosphere. Sunday was was good too. Not like packed house yet or anything, but you can see the crowds a little bigger. I think twenty eight thousand ish over the weekend, and and pretty good vibes, right? And I think as we get deeper into the summer, weather continues to be good. Like if the team continues playing well. Um, that'll only only grow. Yeah, so like the team right now, even though we're you know the forty game mark is typically where a lot of old fashioned baseball people will say like, and you wrote about them being like you know a quarter of the way through the season and all that stuff. But like the forty game mark is a lot of times where people will be like, that's kind of your team, you know, that's kind of your team where you're at in the forty game mark, you know. I know this wasn't the 40th game, but, like, that's kind of your team. Kind of makes me think of today's game where you have Riley Green doing his thing, stroking. And we're going to talk about him in a second because uh, there's there's more to be had there from a marketing standpoint that we need to discuss. But he, he gets, he, you know, he, he gets the extra base hit right there, right? And damn it if I don't love watching him run. Uh, my wife goes, God, he's so slow. I was like, he's actually not slow. He just kind of looks it. God bless his soul, <laughs> the way he runs. But anyway, um, and then how does the game get tied today? The game gets tied with Javi Baez essentially hitting it off his hand. You know, like, and, 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 and Tim Anderson, which, you know, 
If the tires uh, the White Sox are an MF disaster, uh, by the way. Oh my god, what is going on? Well, what's what been going on there for 10 plus years, but what's been... Especially wow. the past couple years, but like Tim Anderson, yeah. who God bless his soul, I can't wait for him to not be on the White Sox. Because I, you know, he's such a great player, but God, he kills the Tigers. Had a had a good series today, but he just doesn't kind of feel the little dribbler, you know, properly tie game. Like that's the Tigers. You have your hotshot prospect on, and then you have your high price free agent at the plate in a key spot, and he delivers. But it's also kind of like, ah, but he delivers. Like it was, it was, it was, it was perfect. And that's kind of this team. Like, again, I brought up the back-to-back, take the lead, come back. I don't know what the updated number is, but, and it's not really actually that surprising to be like, oh, well, you know, they have a quite a nice record when they score first. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that's like every single team in major league baseball. However, there is a sense of like belief when you get a lead, when you have Eduardo Rodriguez, which we'll talk about later on the mound. And then also, I'm not going to lie to you, Cody. It's 100% truth. When the White Sox took the lead in the seventh inning, my first thought was the torque quote. They left us too many outs. I really really think that that's like a real thing. I think every single Major League Baseball team, every single Major Leaguer, believes that basically no matter the situation, no matter the score, they can come back. They're... You know, you're a professional athlete. You're confident in yourself. But there is a sense of, like, added belief when you actually do it, and you actually do it on a, not consistent, but, like, regular basis. Like, you actually have tangible proof that you can. There's tangible proof this team does not care about blowing a late lead. Because I had, you know, I'm doing notes, I'm, you know, doing all these things and prepping for this podcast and it's like 4-1 boom I got the tone and then all of a sudden it's 5-4 and it's like well I don't have the tone anymore and then they take the lead you know the walk off like now I kind of have to do a different kind of good tone this is a real baseball team that seems like a weird statement right this is a real baseball team that knows how to find ways to win games and to be honest like it's damn fun to watch. It's damn fun to watch and talk about. It's okay, Merle. I'm excited too. All right, so here are the numbers. When the Tigers score first, they are 18 and seven. Pretty damn good. Pretty good. Come from behind wins. Uh, 12 now, 13. So 25 wins in all. More than half have been coming from behind. That is a stat I like. That you know, I I, I never love the like. Oh, well, this team is resilient because I feel like everyone says that about every. I remember people said that about like the twenty nineteen Tigers for a little bit. Um, but there's some to be able to come from behind, and I would say you know Sunday, Tigers lose the lead, and I did not think that game was over. Something was just telling me like, you know, I knew that top of the order was going to roll around again. You were going to have McKinstry. You were going to have Green Bat. I was like, all right. They got a shot there, and I was like, the White Sox are a disaster. I feel like they might find a way to blow this game. And all of those things kind of came to fruition. It's, it's not necessarily specific to the Tigers or anything, but, uh, you know, not not a great weekend for Joe Kelly. 
It was was uh this was kind of what a... bro you throw a hundred what are you doing with your leg man just just throw the ball bro and you can get guys out <laughs> this whole funky delivery is not working in his favor. I, my wife is like, is he like committing an infraction or whatever? I was like, no, he's just doing just, this is, because you know is, she is she okay? remembers him from the Red Sox days. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and it's like, why is he doing that? I was like, I don't really have a good explanation <laughs> um and, and that's the other thing too like like basically the 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 point of today's pod is the tigers kind of bucking trends because the past couple years these are games that they would have lost the past couple years you're not coming out and 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 getting key hits in, in, in big spots you're not barreling up the ball like and, and by the way, there are flaws in this that which you know are obvious to those that are watching the game, and we and we can talk about those too. Runners scoring position, but not to get lost in this weekend is attacking pitchers that when they historically in their careers, however long or short they are, have kind of been like, all right, I got the Tigers, I got the Tigers today. Let's go. You know what I mean? And what what was it? Cease had like God, what was it? Like eighty pitches through four or something like oh, that. Yeah. You know, oh, yeah. Right around yeah, there. They, like they worked they, some good. They they and they've I, been working. They've been working. And I I said earlier there's still not a lot of data points, right? Well the one the one that gets you thinking a little bit, uh the Tigers in May, this is entering Sunday, their strikeout rate was nineteen point nine percent. That was the fourth lowest in baseball. The Detroit Tigers in May, fourth low strikeout rate. Their walk rate up to 10%. That's sixth best in baseball. I'd have to go back and look, but I'm pretty sure we have not seen a strikeout rate that low and a walk rate that high in a given month in Detroit in since I've been covering the team, right? Uh, so then it's thinking, all right, well, they're still 29th and slugging, but... It, it, Probably like a month ago, I was like, I'm kind of getting tired of hearing about good at bats. Like, oh, the at bat quality is good, but the results aren't there. Well, now you have some tangible data to show you, you know what, the the at bats team wide are in fact better. Uh, you're getting some results. Like, if this trend continues with more walks, less strikeouts, that would lead you to believe that more balls are going to start to be driven with some authority at some point as well. Um, so there's your encouraging trend right there. That's that's the best thing happening with this team right now, uh, besides pitchers doing the same thing and, and throwing a ton of first pitch strikes. Well, okay, so that's what I mean when I referenced AJ earlier about like kind of giving your staff some shine. Like I'm not going to write that hitting coach story, number one, because you're 29th in, in slugging percentage in May. I'm not going to write it if I can't talk to hitting coaches. I'm just not going to write it. I don't know if I want to talk about it on the pod. I I don't know anything about the hidden coaches. Well, I mean, give them some good PR if I can talk to them. You know. Yeah, but that's the thing is that like now we have so you revamped the hitting staff, and it looks honestly there's kind of a nice parallel. Not to get off hitting for just like a second, but like there's a nice parallel between the hitting at the beginning of the year and then also the aggressiveness on the base pass. And how it was sort of like playing the percentages over a long period of time, no matter how it looked initially. And now we're seeing aggressiveness on the base pass that 
is netting. Oh, I, well, I already said that's because of us, though. That's because we called him out for not, not taking advantage of the new rules. <laughs> Look, I, I'm not going to shy away from taking, you know, credit where credit is due from us. You know what I'm saying? But, like, with the the hit, the hitting approach is obviously improved. I don't know if that's debatable. I would say no. Uh, so, like, I would like to know, like, a little bit more. I, I None of this really seems like trade secrets, so I don't really think anything's being given away. But, uh, like... I'll just put you on the spot right now, Cody. If you had to, like, write a story right now about, like, why the Tigers are winning offensively right now, given what you've talked about with AJ, what you've talked about with players other than Riley Green, who's never changed his approach uh, his entire life. Shout out Riley Green. Uh, but, like, like, is there anything you could share about this? Because... We're we're getting better swings. We're getting smarter at bats. Spencer Torkelson had four walks in a game this week. This week. And he should have had a walk earlier today uh, on a terrible call on a knuckle curve that literally never touched his own. But it was a good take. Uh, like, we see it. If you watch this team day to day, if you've watched this team day to day for the past couple of years, you see a difference. You see a difference in them with their approaches, taking the coaching, and, and, and how they kind of go about hitting. Like, is there anything to share where you can't actually get into, like, the people who are actually teaching this? Um, No, that's why it'd be great to talk to him. I wish I could share some more. The easiest thing to do in the world is sit however many feet removed from the plate or 2,000 miles away from the plate and say, swing at strikes, don't swing at balls. And then you can get up there and you, for whatever, you know, it's 10,000 times easier said than done. Yeah, there's a big emphasis on this whole controlling the strike zone thing. It's not like that didn't exist last year. Maybe it wasn't the team mantra, but it's not like that wasn't hammered home with hitters ad nauseum as well. So what is different that is allowing guys to actually do this? Is it understanding their strengths better? Is there some kind of skill that's helped them with pitch recognition is it instilling the fear of God in them, knowing they're going to get chewed out if they chase? I don't know what it is. It's it's actually a really interesting discussion because it's it's an easy thing to say and it's a hard thing to teach and it's an even harder thing for the player in the box to go up there and execute. You got Javi Baez and Jonathan Scope taking... Javi's not walking, but he's striking out less. You have Jonathan Scope taking walks. Not like these guys haven't been told these things before in their career. What's leading it, leading to it actually happening a little bit? Man, I'd love to know. <laughs> well, <laughs> I, I would say, I know, I know. I would say even if it's not talking about the actual hitting approach with the coaches, like, this is at least a credit to the, would you call it a gamble? Morale. It's okay. With the infrastructure of which they're doing this operation, which again is different and unique from previous years. Not, not I mean, I don't think any of the hitting hitting coaches. Here's some of it. Here's some of its personnel. Baseball guys. Some of its personnel. You have no Harold Castro. You have no Willie Castro. You have no Victor Reyes. You're probably gonna walk more. <laughs> <laughs> Although I will say. Uh, kind of a weird moment for me when i'm listening to uh you know the pregame on the radio i'm doing some yard work and uh 
what is it? Willie Castro had two home runs yesterday or whatever. Uh, he's hitting like 250-something. It was like, <sighs> Willie. And, of course, it happens to be with, like, the, you know, the first-place team in the division, even though it it just it just made me emote. I'm not saying good or bad. It just made me emote. Uh, speaking of things that ought to make Tigers fans emote, I... I think I think we got to do another call to action, Cody. You know, we talked about how we propelled this base running aggressiveness earlier. I think we ought to say like there needs to be a better marketing campaign for Riley Green right now, specific to could this guy should this guy be an all star? Because, like, it it smacked me in the face. What was it? Thursday, Friday, whatever. I'm watching the game on TV. Obviously, I'm following him and, you know, no, he's on a tear or whatever. I know batting averages and everything. But, you know, that's what they put on the on the graphic whenever, uh, whenever a guy comes to the plate. But it smacked me in the face when he comes up to bat and it's like batting 292 or, you know, whatever it was. 294, whatever it was. And I was like, God. Dang, Riley, like, I didn't know you was cleaning up the clock that well. And he's coming up with clutch hits, key hits, which he did today. Uh, having some highlight reel level defense. I know he missed one earlier in the week. That's just kind of seemed like a weird play, but he bangs up against the wall today. Makes a catch that at least save the Tigers the game. Maybe you could say won the Tigers the game. Uh, Riley Green is a all-star level player. And now we're getting into June here pretty soon. I think there ought to be some sort of campaign to make him an all-star. And that doesn't mean that Lang wouldn't be worthy or Erod wouldn't be worthy. But if you could get Major League Baseball behind a campaign for Riley Green to be an all-star... A young player, a position player, like Julio Rodriguez was an all-star last year, was he not? And Riley Green is performing at a level at best, or not at best, but at least comparable to that. Like, I'm just saying there, there's got to be some sort of movement here. And I know the Bucket Hats came out this week, but there's got to be like a national movement. Like, Riley Green, really good player. I think he could be an all-star, and this is not me. I, I didn't even bother looking at, like, the other outfielders in the American League, and I understand that, you know, that's part of it as well. But I'm just telling you, this is a guy who's worthy of consideration, and we need to start talking about it, in my opinion. Well, Riley Green, I believe, entered Sunday 7th among American League outfielders in war. So by the very definition, he is playing at a borderline all-star level uh, in the outfield. And keep in mind, he had a very slow start, and now he's getting going. Keep in mind, I still think you know, the power's shown up a little bit. I, I think this guy's going to get real hot power-wise at some point this year. Um, so I agree, man. I think there should be an aggressive push to market Riley Green not just as an all-star, as whatever. I think he's your most marketable player and will be for the next six years minimum. Uh, but here's a, here's a weird thought. It almost makes you think of this team a little differently. The Tigers have... I'd say at least four, five guys playing at an all-star level. Riley Green, 
Eduardo Rodriguez, Alex Lang, Jason Foley, and Zach McKinstry. Zach McKinstry is third in the American League in one base percentage. He's killing it. Um, and then it's like, oh, wow. Kind of reminds you how bad some of the rest of the team is because you're getting a lot out of these guys and eh, almost nothing out of everyone else. Zach McKinstry second in the American League uh, among second basemen and wins above replacement. Um, how many all-stars are you going to have, man? It's, it's, it's early, it's May, but you could, we could be talking multiple for the first time in a long time. If I, I, I think Eduardo, if he at all continues to be even okay, is, is going to be on your all-star pitching staff. And Riley Green, I think is only going to continue to play well, have a really compelling case. Alex Lang's probably going to have a compelling case keep saying I, I don't know you know how long McKinstry's going to keep doing this but he he continues to do it um so for the first time in the history of this podcast it's not who's your all-star it's how many all-stars could you have well okay so I was actually going to say I don't know if this is a hot take or not but I I might be judging the general public slash major league baseball slash the players, the managers, all this stuff. If if I I just feel like right now, it would be lazy to just put Alex Lang as the Tigers All Star. That's not to say he's not deserving. All right, and, I'll, and Erod too. Like it's not to say they're not deserving. I don't mean that. But if you're not giving heavy consideration to Riley Green, if you're not giving heavy consideration to Zach McKinstry then that just means you're not paying attention to the Tigers, in my opinion. Yeah, you that's, know, that's like, where, like, the market... I would say nationally, Riley Green is not getting enough attention. He's not really getting whole segments on MLB Network. I don't think, you know, how many of your friends down in Texas know who Riley Green is? I, I don't know. I've, I'm pretty sure the answer lot. is not enough, you know? Yeah, I mean, because... He ought to at least be getting the pub that Aldolis Garcia gets down here. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Yeah. And, and yeah, Garcia, really good player. But Riley Green, I think, is coming into his own as a really good player as well. And there's – and, again, that's actually kind of what gets me going about this. It's not just that he's playing well. Because I understand it doesn't necessarily dictate it's, – it's not just about playing well in terms of the, the hype stuff and marketing and all, that, and all, all those things. But Riley Green plays a fun brand of baseball. That like that, that I, I want to like emphasize that for a second. That's why I brought up his catch on the wall, his Superman dives. What was the Akil Badu quote today? Is that like, yeah, well, when he goes after a ball, I'm expecting him to catch it, and he's gonna get a concussion, or you know, whatever, you know, whatever. I hope he exact, doesn't get a concussion. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> I so hope cool. he doesn't get a concussion. Thank you for correcting the record, but like that's. What do we want baseball to be? We want it to be more fun to like grab a, a larger audience, right? Riley Green plays a fun style of baseball. He would be you know, great. When, when, when Riley was coming up in the minors, like I, I used the term King Griffey Jr. Light a couple times, and then I was like, is that is that too strong? Is that like, you know, again the power? We'll see, but his overall brand of baseball kind of kind of King Griffey Jr. Light a little bit, you know. Yeah, and, you know, it's not like one of those guys that, 
Like, I, I, I thought that Manfred, when this was a conversation, was, like, too harsh about, like, marketing of players and basically calling Mike Trout too boring or whatever, personality-wise and all that stuff. Uh, obviously, Green is not Mike Trout. But personality-wise, you wouldn't have to worry about that if he ever got to that level, right? Like, oh, great personality. I've always said, I hope, he, I hope he doesn't change if he becomes a big star when he becomes a big star. I think I told him that when he was like 19, you know, because <laughs> guys, you know, you guys get more attention and stuff. They can tense up, but I think Riley has more natural personality and charisma than, than Mike Trout by a long shot. And he's fun when he has the mic, you know, mm-hmm. like he does. Like generally speaking, I actually don't really like that from a broadcast perspective because I think it, I don't know. I'm just not a huge fan of it. But I understand why they do it. I understand like what the appeal is for the audience and all that stuff. So I'm not saying they shouldn't do it, but it 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 just doesn't do much for me. But he's good on it. He's good on it. And and again, that matters. Oh, like in game stuff, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like the in game, like in between pitches, you know. But he's good on it. So, uh, like he he definitely has a personality. He has the flair. He has just the natural talent. First round pick, like still young. Like there's not a box that is unchecked with Riley Green in terms of who's a guy that could be a marketable all-star here going forward. That's my main point. And and nationally, that needs to change. That needs to change. People need to be talking about him more. Even in the city of Detroit. You know, I know Tigers fans know about him. Every year we've done this rebuilding roundtable at The Athletic, and it's like, who's the, you know, who's the face of Detroit sports? And... I don't think it's anyone on the Red Wings right now. Like, Dylan Larkin's great. He got a big contract, but, you know. Uh, Piston, you know, he got Cade. Um, it, it, that's big time. He was just out a whole year. Lions, obviously, are taking the city by storm. I guess Aiden Hutchinson's going to have a case. Um, St. Brown's going to have a case. But, like, Riley Green, out of all the, the, the young prospects who have come through all these teams, all these sports, Riley Green's right now kind of the one guy showing, all right, he's exactly what we thought he was. Whatever the equivalent, I guess, a puck drop at a Red Wings game or, you know, going to the coin toss for a Lions game and captains being for a Pistons game. Whatever the equivalent is that you showcase one of the other star athletes, uh, you know, from the other sports, that's Riley Green's job. Red Wings, mm-hmm. like, he needs to be at as many of those mm-hmm. as possible just in general. All right, so, like, to kind of transition to some other good news here, Cody, that kind of gets lost when you know, the team goes five and two over the course of a week, but we got to see Tarek Skubal, or at least you got to see Tarek Skubal throw a live BP, which, uh, my amateur brain, like how I'm watching it or following up, you know, following the updates on Twitter from you and your colleagues. And it's, you know, unsure if he'll like face hitters or whatever. And then you see the video and it's like, Oh, he's facing hitters. Oh, they're actually swinging. Oh, there's no net there. You know, you know. I mean, it's just like you know the the kind of the the processes that go through your brain or whatever. But you got to see Scooble throw from the mound at Comerica Park two live hitters. This is a big development. Like the and yeah, you know, how did it go? It, it, this seems like it's something that could be a big deal. I I know for sure. Like my wife would like to see him pitch this year because she, what was he like number three on her uh on her hot list on the team so i i have a little bit of a family obligation cody to ask like how did school look 
I, as a matter of policy, I refuse to make too much out of 20 pitches and live BP. But for a guy coming off injury, it's a little more significant, right? Um, looked like he, you know, the stuff was there, right? The the Scooble stuff was there. According to Jonathan Scope, his fastball hit 98. I don't know if that's true or not, but it looked, I would believe it based on the looks of things. I'd say command wasn't a thousand percent there, but he looked like Scooble. He didn't look like someone who still had the training wheels on. Uh, so I think as much as anything that was encouraging to see, you know, it sounds like he's going to throw one more live BP and I don't know for a fact, for some reason this is treated like the biggest secret in the world, but sounds like maybe he could start a rehab assignment after that, which would lead you to think, okay, maybe a little sooner, maybe by the end of June, this guy could be in the big leagues. I don't know. Don't hold me that timeline. Again, it's the biggest secret in the world, so I don't know, but things are going nicely right now and seeing him come out and and look ready to throw and throw like scooble that was good and that's a bigger deal too than like actually doing it or what the stuff looked like is like mentally how was he and 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 dan dickerson on the radio today said that you know kind of think of it like the very beginning of spring training sure uh for scooble where you know he'll you know the re- he's not going to do one rehab start. I would. Oh bet. yeah, there there will be more. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. So you know he's going to work his way, and and that's good. And it's, I would probably say like, a testament to the Tigers' process if he is able to come up in early June. Not early and, June and, and start late. June. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Late, Maybe late early June, July. early July. Yeah. I was kind of, the 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 J months were confusing me there for a second, but. Like, if he is able to get there, that's kind of a testament to... And he's feeling good, you know, like, again, the mental part of it. Like, that's a testament to what they're doing now where, you know, they're having guys still part of the team and not just, like, vacation down in Lakeland or whatever when you're rehabbing. Which, speaking of, two guys that maybe otherwise would be uh, vacationing down in Lakeland, kind of front and center this week, Casey Mize, Matt Manning, showing off the new jersey patch. I know, I, I I know it's the most popular thing on the planet to put a jersey patch on the uh, on the sleeve. <laughs> we don't have to spend a lot of time on it, but it was news this week. You got to take yeah, on yeah. The, the quick Meyer concise patch take and... here from me. I think jersey patches are stupid and annoying as anyone, but the reality is they're here. If your team doesn't have one yet, it's going too soon. Unless maybe you're the New York Yankees, but uh, I think they'll probably end up with one somewhere too. As far as jersey patches go, this one could be a lot worse. It's small, it's subtle, it's team colors, it's Meyer instead of Rocket Mortgage or you know some behemoth <laughs> that's not even worse than Rocket Mortgage has no ties to Detroit. In terms of corporate sponsorships on jerseys, they did a good job making it tasteful. Kind of annoying it's there, but how many of you watched the games and by Sunday already forgot it was there? I kind of did. I actually like that take, Cody. I think that's a good take because it's just, at a certain point, you, you never want to be that person that's just like fighting against the current, like uh, what's-his-face for the New York Times in like 1999 was like, the internet is going to go away. <laughs> and it's like, well, he was wrong. Uh, I'm sorry. I can't forget his name. I'm not trying to like, you know, 
hit him too personally or whatever. But that was a common take. It's like, yeah, this is a fad. It'll go away. <laughs> uh, I, to be honest, like I feel that way about jersey patches. I kind of feel the same way about like the whole Apple TV thing, where it's like, oh my god, I can't believe this is can't watch the game like this yeah, is where we're where going. it's a, a apple tv is a hint at what's to come i don't know if it'll be apple tv there broadcast i'm not sure how good they are but uh like like this is how you will consume baseball games it, more in the future yeah. yeah the principle of it is going forward and if you just hate it i would ask you do you not subscribe to cable i don't have tiktok do not- i hate tiktok it's not just a fad like it is already changing the way people consume content like that's just gotta accept that at some point doesn't mean i'm gonna make a tiktok account doesn't mean i'm gonna scroll tiktok for hours but it's like if someone else is on tiktok it's like you know what i understand Uh, as i often say it's a thing it's a thing and by the way like in terms of influence and all that stuff like tiktok influence you go to the mlb app and you click on the story I, I I used to fall for this all the time. It's like, oh, I want to read about the game. Hit the story button. No, it's not. It's it's, it's not anything that Jason Beck wrote. It's just like the highlights, essentially in TikTok slash Snapchat slash Instagram Live slash all this stuff. Like you know. So I say this: the day the day I have to make a TikTok for work might might be like all the all the old journalists who like couldn't adapt to Twitter and that kind of phased them out. That that might be me sooner rather than later. I don't I don't know. Uh, Anyway, jersey patches, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, again, like I just, it's just one of those things that to me, jersey patches, games broadcast on Apple. It's just not worth the outrage, in my opinion, because again, these are trends. We're going there. Whether you like it or not, we're going there. It's like being like, I can't believe the game's on TV. I'd rather, you know, tune into my six by four terrestrial radio to like listen to the game or whatever. Like we're going, we're going there. All right. So anyway, end of rant. The game uh, on television will kill people going to the ballpark. Mm-hmm. Nah. Mm-hmm. You laugh at it. Really. Right. That's legitimately what everybody yeah. thought. That's why we have blackouts, by the way. So anyway, I don't think you want to go into that tangent, how dumb that is. Whew. All right. Well, let, let's get some tough conversations out of the way. Maybe just one tough conversation, Cody. Uh, Joey Wentz, it's not going hot. We talked about this last week. I was like, is it time to have a Joey Wentz conversation? And now I'm not going to ask the question. It is time to have a Joey Wentz conversation. And I'll add, the Joey Wentz conversation is happening. Uh, we got a little bit from AJ today or you know, this weekend about the plan. And it seems rather coy, like AJ, God bless his soul. Just, like, being on the balance beam of, like, all right, well, yeah, we believe in Joey. We believe in his stuff. He's going to be ready. But we also might have a different plan for when he's up in the rotation. By the way, speaking of God bless AJ, I meant to lead the pod with this. Uh, He was at his daughter's graduation in Houston on Friday. Didn't manage the game. And I just... I just wish I could have had a camera on him, you know. I can imagine him at like a, a graduation ceremony and they're in like the the D's, the E's, you know, and he's he's quickly growing <laughs> bored and he's he's just wanting to 
to to check his phone like a nicotine addict who needs a cigarette and he's just and the tigers are losing and i feel like from two thousand miles away he just got like a migraine that he couldn't explain and i just want to know what that was like for him the guy likes his control and and uh i bet it was killing him you know he's trying to spend time with his family be present with his daughter but you know he was just like ah Maybe he didn't want to be on Apple TV. Maybe this was a protest for streaming. Uh, and shout out to George for getting that kind of uh, spotlight, by the way, in all seriousness. Uh, yeah, but George didn't that. talk to the writers that day. He just talked to everyone else. So, you know, I'm going to complain about it. Damn I'm going to complain about it. Damn it, George. It wasn't his decision. Yeah, I think it was an AJ decision. Whatever. Whatever, AJ. It's fine. It's fine. Yeah. We can go on a tangent on that for a second. All right. But I want right. to say no, a little back to winners. So, Joe. <laughs> Joey Wentz, uh, just the layman's term is he doesn't have it. My observation is that he's not, his release is off. I think that like, that's my very unofficial scouting report. I'm not going to claim to be some sort of like pitching guru or whatever, but his release is off. I think the ball is coming. I think his release actual like point of release is off i also think the ball is coming off his hand i would believe that uh it's different than it was last year and i don't know if that's intentional but whatever they're trying to do with him is is not working there and then he's not landing any secondary stuff so he's having to throw a lot of fastballs he's leaving a lot of fastballs over the plate hitters are sitting fastball it's getting destroyed and stuff his curveball is obvious too. I feel I'm, like his sure curveball is. is obvious. I haven't actually looked at the release point. I'm sure it is. It's an easy thing, uh, especially you know when didn't really throw the curveball before. Like it's an easy thing for the curveball to become, to pop, to become too detectable. I still think Matt Manning's curveball is too detectable. Um, so I think these are all good observations you make. And regardless of the exact reasoning or what the fix is, a week ago I was like. Like I get it with wins, but I think I think you just gotta stick it through. He has this stuff, like you gotta stick with him. And all it took was kind of one more bad start to change my mind because he got rocked. He was not competitive, and worse, no data to support this. Talking to him after the game, he had the look of a guy who's defeated. I mean, he was he was he, he was kind of like a sad puppy. Like you felt bad for him, and he was like, I mean, credit to him. He didn't sugarcoat. He didn't try to make excuses he was like i sucked uh but he seemed beaten down he seemed like a guy who go down to toledo shove against these triple a hitters for two starts refine your stuff a little bit get you back up here um the dilemma there and we even talked about that last week if you do that with Wentz, who in the world are you going to start in this place your depth is bad in terms of 40 man options reese olsen is about your only guy I think the fact that Tigers haven't already made that move tells you they don't necessarily think Reese Olsen could thrive at the big league level right now. His fastball is very hittable. He's had some better starts in AAA. I think you're getting to that point with Wentz where it's like, well, it can't be much worse, right? Maybe you give Reese Olsen a start or two. Don't plan on it being a long-term thing. Uh, but I, th- I think the fact that Tigers are sticking with Wentz tells you that they just don't feel great about any of their other options. Well, okay. The thing is that the Tigers are kind of stuck right now in terms of that very specific instance because 
the options are not great uh, as you laid out and even if it's a bullpen day yeah who are you like really confidently like putting out there to do extended innings that you don't want that you, that you're comfortable essentially burning them for a couple days right. right like as as much as we like the bullpen and as much as it's become like a strength of the team considering especially where we started out there's not anybody that you just feel like, oh yeah, put I mean, Tyler Alexander. Yeah, Tyler Alexander would be the guy, and it's like I don't know if you want to burn him, and he yeah. hasn't been great. Yeah. Like I don't, I don't feel great about that. Like and, and again, you you laid out the forty man and, and and what's in the, you know, what's in the system. It's just like I, yeah, every now and then, and you know, Wentz has had to do this a couple of times this year. Every now and then, like the pitch, a pitcher just has to eat it, right? Like you just gotta, like you know, kind of take one for the team, if you would. I hate to say it, but I just kind of feel like that's what's has to happen for him. Is he, you know, he's got to figure it out, a. And if he can't figure it out, he just kind of has to take it for the team because I just don't know if there's any other option. This is gonna, again, I I mentioned this before, like. His ERAs, you know, his career ERA, his baseball card stats are gonna suffer and all that stuff, and that sucks. Like you don't want that for anybody. It's like a, it's like a goaltender in hockey that just doesn't have it, and but you can't pull him. You have right. to keep him in the right. game. Like you don't have any other option, and so therefore they're kind of exposed. Right now, Wentz is exposed, but there's, it's a situation where we like he used to be the not luxury, but sort of like the, you know, next guy up type deal for anything that were to happen. And now all of a sudden we're in a place where like, there's really no one behind you, bro. And you can't screw the team for like the rest of the series or the rest of the week or whatever by sucking and using up all these bullpen arms. And, and, and I don't mean that in a malicious way toward Wentz. He just doesn't have it. But there's no other. But here, here is the one like like when the Tigers did what they did with Turnbull, it they set a little bit of a precedent, right? Their reasoning was, we can't keep trotting them out there and not getting quality right. starts. Well, same thing with Joey Wentz. As much as I don't feel good about Reese Olson starting a big league game right now, you can't just trot Joey Wentz out there thinking you're probably going to lose the game. Especially, you're one game below 500. You're one game out of first place. Uh, I guess the Rangers is next yeah, start. I'm not feeling way. great about Riesels. I'm not feeling good about him against the Rangers. I'm also not feeling good about Joey. I feel good about Joey Wentz long term. I think he has the stuff. I think it's in there. I think on the emotional human side of it, a little break, a little reset uh, would be the best way to, to get the best out of him. That's where I'm at now. Now watch him go out and throw six shutty against the Rangers. It's like, oh, yeah, I t- told you you should have just stuck with him in the big leagues. Well, you know, it's funny because the other side of that coin is one of the reasons, like, you know, the injuries have piled up. Again, I think in a way that we don't necessarily, like, recognize in the moment, like with the starting pitching or whatever. But one of the guys that stepped up that would be a guy who would step up had there be less injuries, you know, in this situation Alex Fajardo. Props to Alex Fajardo. So I watch, I I watch Alex Fajardo this year, and I do two things. One of them is I laugh 
because, like, so there's the reputation of the Tigers front office was, like, previously, before the Harris regime, was not very, I'm not trying to be mean here, but not very good in terms of, like, the analytics and the performance science and all that stuff. So they draft him, and they tell him to change the way he throws. And that's essentially his pro career in terms of release point, arm slot, all that stuff. That's essentially his, his entire pro career. And then the Harris regime comes in and this new revamped, like, you know, pitching infrastructure. And they're like, yeah, go back to doing what you have done your entire life because it seemed to work for you because you pitched at Florida and was a first-round pick and, you know, all that stuff. And then it works! And it's like, like, the, the bad science regime tried to change things based on science, and the new science regime was like, actually, this is actually better for you if you do this. Um, uh, who knows how sustainable this is, but I'll tell you, like, I get... The second thing is I get Carrie Carpenter vibes from Alex Fido this year. And what I mean by that is I don't find anything wrong with him. Again, I, like I always try to be measured with the things I say on this podcast, the things that I think, the things that I tweet. Like I don't find anything wrong with Alex Fido. Like like right now. Like like Carrie Carpenter last year. There's nothing wrong with him. When, you know, when anything to you know, write home about, but wasn't anything to complain about. I, Vito's pretty nice. I have, I find nothing no, wrong. I, with I think there's, and he, he, he could be a guy that, like, let's just say this good baseball streak continues. He's a guy that's going to be like, if not for him, what are you? I think that's where, that's, I think that's the path Vito is out right now. And we, we got to remember, he was a first round pick. Like, he was pitching in the SEC for Florida, which maybe he'll get a fellow alumni in the draft this year. Maybe we'll talk about that in future podcasts. But, like, this guy was a guy with pedigree. And he just kind of got lost in shuffle injuries, hair changes, you know, <laughs> things like that. But uh, I, I find Fayeto somebody that's like, all right, yeah, Fayeto's on the mound. Let's see what happens. I don't dread it. I think, I think there's you know less I mean? wrong with Fayeto than there is. Kerry Carpenter struck out a lot, doesn't walk a lot, don't know if he can hit lefties. Fido, it's like, it's not going to wow you, you know? Fastball velo isn't crazy. His, his slider's really, really good. Um, I said in spring training, like, no one was talking about Fido, and it wasn't clear. He wasn't really in the bullpen competition, but everyone knew he, he wasn't in the rotation competition. He was behind wins on that list, and, you know, and that was probably fair, given how much time he's missed with various injuries, but I was like... I think everyone's kind of just like forgetting about him like i think there's a guy who can contribute at the big league level and for a long time it was like oh is he gonna end up in the pin and you know super long term i don't know but for now i think he's a you know i, I was never like i think he's a four four or five starter i'm not sure there's a huge upside beyond that but you feel like this guy can go give you five six pretty good innings and a lot maybe he's gonna allow three runs but he's gonna he's gonna strike some guys out with that slider and like it, it, he's always had pretty good command if you can get him to harness and use his stuff a little better and stay healthy, he can be he can be a decent guy for you. It's kind of how I've always felt about Fayeto. It's how I felt about him now. It's good to see him validating that um, a, a little bit. We'll see if it continues.
yeah, and you know, just a shout out to Michael Lorenzen again. We're not gonna spend you know so much time on it, but just that's the guy I was out, wrong like, about, man. This guy, a lot better than I thought he was. Wow. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And and he's he's playing he he's punching above his weight in terms of his like spot in the rotation and all that stuff. Like he's a guy you feel good about as well. I want to give him a shout out. We're not gonna spend a whole lot of time because just so many other things to talk about, but we can't let that go unmentioned. Uh, him and Fiedo, maybe they have like a you know some sort of they have the same hairdresser or anything. Maybe that's what you need to investigate. Lorenzen's got like got, uh, you know, got a little more curly hair. You know, he's West Coast. Fiedo's East Coast. Maybe there's a little bit of a rivalry yeah, through that's the best Ooh, hair on the pitching there staff. There we go. There we go. Yeah, these these are the kind of things that if you subscribe to the Athletic, you expect to know. Uh, <laughs> speaking of guys that you're just like that, you just kind of like seeing out there, and maybe I'll just speak for myself. Guys, you just kind of like seeing out there and have performed well, and you're not you're trying not to get over the top with your expectations, but Damn it. It is so fun to watch. I gotta tell you, like, gotta pat myself on the back right here. Like, uh, Akil Badu is doing winning things on the baseball field. He is doing winning things on the baseball field. This is a guy, like, you gotta understand even the journey of this season. So, like, because of his style of play, it attracts, you know, even the most casual baseball fans. And so, like, we... We go to Detroit, my wife and I, for the home opener, and we're at the shop and all that stuff the day before. And see, Akil Badu's got his jersey up there, and I was like, ah, got a bad timing. Got the Badu jersey up there. He's not even on the team right now, you know? Like, I still like him, but, you know, it, it didn't make it. And who knows what will happen? Well, the who knows what would happen was this guy is going to come up because of injury and IL stints. And then is ball out too strong? I don't know. But he's hitting what three hundred in May. He's making. He had a grand slam today. He's excited on the base pass. He's even done so, like I didn't think he made a bad play defensively on that sack fly today. Like you know the throw was just a little off. That could have been anybody. You know what I mean? And that was always his big concern. The amount of times Akil Badu does something, I'm like God. I just like him being here. I just like him being a part of my favorite baseball team. And it used to be that I would say that and those moments would be few and far in between. Wasn't that long ago. And now they're relatively more consistent. Akil Badu is a regular contributor. If we're going to talk about how good the Tigers are playing, he is a regular contributor to them playing winning baseball. What that record means, I don't know. But he is a contributor to them playing winning baseball. And I don't know how many, like, haters, quote-unquote, there are for Akil Badu. But I hope I hope y'all are sitting in it right now. Because this guy is just playing winning baseball. He's not going to be somebody that you build your team around. He's not going to be somebody that you pencil in, probably, for years to come to be a starter. But he's a guy that if he's on your team... You expect things to happen, and things are happening right now. And I love his energy. I love the way he plays. Like, I'm not going to, I said on Twitter, I'm not going to apologize for it. This guy is a valuable member of my viewing and fan experience uh, for the Detroit Tigers, and I think he's valuable in the clubhouse, too. He seems like a very 
likable guy. He was a guy that, you know, me selfishly, Cody, like he let you come into his hometown and talk to you and all that stuff. Like I know other people probably don't value that kind of stuff, but me personally, I do. Like this is the kind of guy that I want to root for. And in addition, he's actually playing damn good baseball right now. So we got to give him flowers too. Yeah, absolutely. And it's it, it, it's crazy, you know, how much can change in a month, right? Um, for a while there, I was like, where did his power go? I said on this pause, like, how did he hit 13 home runs as a rookie? Seemed like he was never going to – he literally had zero barrels coming into April. And now he has three homers in 10 games. And he's getting getting you back to like, oh, how good can Akil Badu be? And again, the answer is probably somewhere in between. I don't know that he's the everyday guy for years to come. Like maybe for a little bit, we thought he could be, uh, but he there, there's a lot there. And I got Akil helped me out again Sunday. I was writing my Tigers talk column and uh, pregame. I was going to lead it with Akil and how well he's been playing. And I wrote the headline like Akil Badu's magic is back. Uh, and then I was like, uh, you know, is this really the right thing to lead with? Like, what if this happens? What if that happens? Should I lead with Zach McKinstry again? And then Akil hits a grand slam. And I was like, no, we're good. We're locking this in. Um, so so that was clutch for Akil in addition to the literal clutch hit. Um, yeah, I know Akil pretty well. I like to think I have a good relationship with him. And it's it's he is man he's he's been in better spirits lately seems like he's got a little more pep in his step literally looking up instead of looking down when he's walking through the clubhouse i think it's been good for him to get some validation for him to get some consistent at bats now you're seeing okay there is still a little power in there the swing looks cleaned up playing way better defensively by the way george lombard when he did talk to the media was very complimentary of akil shared a, a you know the anecdote Last year, Akil messes up a ball in left field, comes in, and George says, Akil, what what do you want to do in this game? Akil says, well, I want to be good. And he says, no, I want to be great. Great athlete answer, right? That's how you want your athlete to think. And George says, well, okay, what are you doing? How are you going to put in the work to make that happen? Akil Badu defensively has made big-time strides from being what I would say below average to Seems like he's just making better reads, getting better jumps in the ball. Metrics liked him even last year. Uh, they like him so far this year. The throwing arm's still not amazing, uh, but uh, the guy's made some meaningful strides this year. He's been as Im- improved as probably anyone on this team. And you just hope he can keep that up because you see the intrinsic value he brings. When that guy's on base, it seems like the whole team gets a little bit of a spark. Speaking of keeping it up, and no, I don't mean that innuendo. Whoa. I meant. Whoa. Whoa, 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 whoa. This Tigers team. So I, I got a take, Cody, and I haven't shared you this take yet, and I just want your God honest opinion on it. And you can tell me I'm an idiot, and I'll accept it. But I'm watching the game today. Obviously, you got Eduardo Rodriguez on the mound. And I see Akil Badu hit that grand slam. And he did like a light pimping, I would say. And he went immediately to the dugout. was kind of flexing. was like, let's go. Like, he, he enthusiastically went around the bases after that home run. As he should. That moment dictated it. I watched that play, 
and I see Erod on the mound. And I cannot think, yeah, let's go ahead and trade our ace. <laughs> like, I can't, I, I, I can't think that, all right? So let me break it down just a, just a little bit, my, my, my points of emphasis here. And I reserve the right to change my mind, but this is how I feel right now. The team is very much within striking distance of, a div- of, of the first place in the division, right? They are, I would say, an average team. We'll say a 500 team, even though they're not a 500 team. We'll just call them a 500 team. You have Eduardo Rodriguez, who is possibly an all-star, definitely deserving of it, who's pitching really well. He's being talked about right now by national people as, like, the ultimate trade piece of the deadline. And they're not necessarily wrong. But I'm going to tell you, I still think it's a little misguided because I went back and I looked at the David Price trade. People remember that. David Price gets traded to Toronto. What did that net? Essentially, Matthew Boyd, Daniel Norris. Love Matthew Boyd. Daniel Norris seems like a great guy. Was that the net that you really wanted out of that? And he was a true free agent. The the, the contract with Eduardo is actually a little bit more complicated than people are giving it credit for. Here's my thing. I have concerns. There are other people out there who have said, like, oh, I don't want to trade Eduardo just because the team's winning. Here's what I would add to it because I agree to him, but I want to add something else that no one else is talking about. I'm still not over the developmental gap that happened with certain players in 2020. I'm not over guys that were in college who didn't get to finish their seasons, uh, high school who didn't get to finish their seasons, you know, depending on where they are in the draft, uh, minor leaguers who didn't get to finish their season, guys not in the bigs for that, what was it, 50 games, 60 games, whatever it was in the 2020 season. I still think that's in play. I still think that affected Torque. I still think that affected Green. So if you're going to trade Eduardo Rodriguez for a guy who had his development halted, I'm not going to feel great about that. So that's my main point, is that if you're within striking distance of winning a division championship, if you see Akil Badu, he hits that grand slam, and it is as hype, like real hype, meaningful hype, as I've seen a Tigers team in a handful of years, and then you're going to trade the ace for players that might be okay, which is what you're going to get because I think the market's not what we're kind of thinking it is because you trade for Eduardo, he gets hurt, he opts in, now you're on the hook for three more years, right? And I I just don't think teams are going to give up their blue-chip prospects for Eduardo in the current situation that he's in. They're going to they're going to try to they're going to hedge a little bit with their offers. I just don't know if you're really going to get a grand slam offer. And if the team is competitive, we're and this month will go a long way to determining that, by the way. But if the team is competitive, I just don't know how you can justify getting, you know, a Veerling Maton type package where it's like, "Oh yeah, it feels good, but does it does it really do it for you?" 
Does it really do it for you right now? I, again, I know I'm doing a lot of apples, oranges stuff, but these are the kind of things that happen. And if you're if you're Scott Harris and Eduardo Rodriguez is like the name of the trade deadline, that basically means that you're determining the market. And I just I just don't know if it's going to be there. That's going to lend itself to the benefit that you want. And partially, I'm not saying this is the best holistic approach. I'm also tired of trading away good players. So, lack of market trading for prospects that literally had an unusual track of development and the team being competitive and what that would do for the clubhouse, it leads me to say, right now, I'm not in favor of trading Eduardo Rodriguez. Maybe I'm prisoner of the moment right now, but I just feel like those are the kind of things that I'm thinking. Because I just don't know if it's really going to net you that much. Because, by the way, there's no salary cap in baseball. He opts out. Who gives a damn? Just pay him. If he likes the clubhouse, if he likes the culture, if he likes AJ, if he likes all this stuff, just pay him more money. Who cares? Pay a a starter in his 30s? Come on. Sounds a little dangerous. Well, yeah. Doesn't sound smart. Who cares if you're willing to spend the money? Here's the thing. There are a lot of people who agree with you. And if I'm Scott Harris, I'm kind of praying either let us have the division lead or let us be more than five games out. Because if you're caught in between, you're in a rough spot, right? You can't signal to your team and your fans and your franchise that you don't believe in them. You don't believe in a playoff push. At the same time, is is a couple more months of Eduardo Rodriguez really worth, uh, you know, an ALDS or like a not a wild card like like a first round playoff exit honestly it's not but if you're the gm like you you know you can't signal that's everybody um but i think you have to trade him because he's gonna opt out and he's probably gonna go to a big market where you're gonna have to offer him something stupid i know there's no salary cap but you can't can't be just handing out dumb contracts that's how you get stuck with miguel cabrera um, that's how you get in bad situations is making bad financial decisions. There's a difference between being cheap and making poor, reckless financial decisions. Um, you can not have Eduardo Rodriguez and you can go out and sign someone, uh, a comparable talent, um, maybe for less money than Eduardo will command on the open, on the open market this next off season. But right, if you're in first place or if you're within three games of first place, I, that's a tough, tough move to swallow, right? Um, so we got a lot of time to play out between then and now. We'll see how the standings go. We'll see how Eduardo's performance goes. We'll see how Eduardo's health goes. But unfortunately, like I think you talk, I think the smart baseball move is going to be to trade. Would you, would you be happy if you got Justin Henry Malloy in return for Eduardo Rodriguez? I mean, I think you get that level of like a guy you think is a big league bat. I feel not. I think you can get more, but like I say, that's what you get. Like I'd feel okay. Well, Scott Harris got that for Joe Jimenez. I don't, you know, I love the idea. All right, Erod and Austin Meadows for Marcelo Meyer. Let's do it. Let's make all that's right in the world. That's probably not going to happen. Hein Bloom would probably see that offer and be like, nah. Uh, so maybe you're not getting that caliber of a guy. But, but, but you can get a guy. You might be able to get multiple guys for a couple months of a pitcher who's going to opt out otherwise. It's going to be tough. It'll be, it'll be a big test for young Mr. Scott Harris. 
Um, and we and we got a while to see exactly how everything shakes out. I still think they're like gonna I have said to before. Trade. Like I said before, so you want to be a major league uh, baseball right, GM? Right. Yeah, yeah, tough, tough decision. And I don't also. Side note, I'm not trying to spend a lot of time on it here, but side note, I also don't like it when it's lumped in. It's like trade Alex Lang too. It's like at what point yeah, do you I'm just like don't Lang. even care? I'm not, trading, I'm not trading controllable guys like that. Yeah, it's like at you what point Jose you just being like, oh, a, a, a guy, a guy is good. Let's just yeah. like get rid of him. Like at what point, you know? So I, I I'm not gonna say anything you said was incorrect there. It's just like this is how I feel in the moment because I just feel like there's a good chance that the return is going to be unsatisfactory. Because of all the parameters involved there, so maybe you're just used to the Alavilla era. Maybe. <laughs> Whew! All right, fired up. I gotta, I gotta come down here for a second, Cody. Uh, we we can't not mention on this Memorial Day weekend. Which, by the way, have a Memorial Day, everybody. Hope that you guys are. Having some fulfilling time, maybe going to the ballpark, maybe not. But either way, Cody, I know you'll be working. I hope you'll be able to find some time with uh, your close friends over there and your lovely girlfriend who my dad always asks about, oh, is Cody still with? Uh, yes. Yes, he is. Like, But that's just how he is because he adores her so much just like he adores you. Uh, speaking of adoring, Scott Harris really got to be adoring Zach McKinstry right now. We, we, I know we mentioned like some stats or whatever, but God dang. I thought you were going to say Scott Harris is adorable. <laughs> Did you see on MLB Network when they asked Javi, do you ever mistake Scott Harris for the Bat Boy? <laughs> they asked him that. Javi was laughing. He said, don't get me oh, in trouble. Oh, <laughs> man. Well, you know, Scott is adorable. Don't get me wrong. Uh, yeah, how... <laughs> Come late July, we'll see how adorable he is, I suppose. But, anywho, uh, McKinstry, a move, we don't have to rehash it. We doubted. It's worked out. I think, what did you tweet? At Cody Sabenhagen, by the way. It was like, Zach McKinstry, comma, man. Like, it's just like, he's just doing all this stuff. Uh, I'm listening to the broadcast today, and Andy Dirks, which, by the way, shout out Andy Dirks. Doing a great job on the radio, I think. Andy Dirk's really good. I, I, yeah. I, I yeah. really like him, you know, being a part of the broadcast team. Uh, you know, Jim Price, whatever's going on with him, I hope everything's okay. I've had my thoughts about his performance, you know, the past couple of years, just in terms of the broadcast. But he's still a valuable member of the Tigers, you know, fandom fabric, all that stuff. I don't want to dismiss that. So I hope everything's going okay with him. But Andy Dirk's, Hammer Maven, like oh. Really like it when Andy Dirks is on the broadcast. And uh, Zach McKinstry, I don't remember what he did specifically, but Andy Dirks like, what can't this guy do? And and yeah, and, and, yeah, I think he, he stole, stole third when he by did way, that. Stealing yeah. third? Yeah, I thought of the Booby Miles, and he can pass. <laughs> yeah, shout out Friday Night Lights. <laughs> uh, like stole third. Like I don't. I don't I, I can't remember the last time like something like that like happened in the way that it is that, that it did or whatever. So Zach McKinstry, I I really wanted to make Torque HKG number one because of the four walk game that he had, but I can't take it away from Zach McKinstry. This guy is as stable a player as there is on this team. Lock him in batting leadoff. Lock him in at five or four, 
and it's fine. Like, Zach McHistory's shadow, he's doing everything possible to help this team. Key part of this run that they're on. It's been amazing. It's a little bit inexplicable, making Sky Harris look like a genius and, and right can't do anything but tip your hat. Like, there's no born to die. Zach McKinstry has been killing it. Um, it's been on base more than 50% of the time in his past, like, 72 plate appearances. It's, it's, that's crazy. It's, like, unheard of. I got I got nothing more to add, man. You just got to give the guy his props, his respect, everyone who doubted him, us included. Yep. Like, can't doubt him right now no more. Again, long term, I don't know. You know, utility guy maybe. But, or I don't know, maybe he's an all-star. Because right now he's playing like an all-star. Shout out to the Sox. That's how I'll wrap that up. I appreciate it as a guy who... Uh... Like I said, old fashioned people talk about the old fashioned English D. I'm more focused on the old fashioned way of wearing your pants with your socks up. That's that's <laughs> that's what I'm focused on. And uh, and yeah, I mean we can't also you know shout out Zach Short. Like he in a in a week that was Zach Short, baby. Let's go. In a week that was less eventful, <laughs> we probably would have made him a HKG number one. But he's he's on those. Right? He's got to be top yeah. three right there. Yeah. Wow. And AJ's using him perfectly, like not playing him too much, not deploying him too much, putting him in positions to succeed. Uh, and his plate approach is a lot better than the last time we saw him at the big league level. The swing plane's a little evened out and um, doing some nice things for the ball club right now. Yeah, like, uh, you know, Dan said this like three times on the radio today, but he really wanted to drive in those runs on Saturday to save Alex Lane from getting in the game and... How much of that is cliche and how much of that is like real focus or whatever, I don't know. But it, it, that's complimentary baseball is thinking like I want to get us in a situation where we don't have to use our go-to late inning guy. And that that's important. And I, I wouldn't put it past Zach Short and the, the little I know about him. Obviously, you know him better than I do, but the little I know about him to actually think that way like that, that that oh no he no he his mind for the game is impeccable he can do guy can give a run at pro golf or he can be a future manager or he can be a commentator or, or very interested to see what he does after his playing career because he can do whatever he wants whether it's in the game or out of the game well hopefully here in a couple months he's able to wear a t-shirt and a hat that say AL Central Champs uh cody anything else before we get out of here on a oh, on a memorial day weekend? uh no no we covered a lot this pod there's been a lot of good storylines to follow um for everyone's sake let's let's hope it continues throughout this summer this is fun it's a good memorial day weekend for everybody um hopefully there's some good summer days and nights ahead of us absolutely uh this again is about as much fun and kind of like edge of your seat stuff as i can remember the past couple of years you know following talking about and then obviously just being a fan of the tigers so uh, i'm enjoying it i hope everybody out there is enjoying it i hope you are subscribing to the athletic to bump those numbers up that we talked about at the beginning of this podcast uh to read cody's great work and following us on apple and spotify five star review if you feel so inclined twitter at cody stavenhagen i am at kieran underscore steckley pod pages at turn corner pod on youtube turn the corner podcast subscribe if you subscribe on youtube that's your thing and uh i wish everybody a very happy healthy safe memorial day tomorrow and we'll see what happens with this team it's not a life schedule coming up but i guarantee you it will be interesting which is uh which is fun 
which is fun for us. And I hope you guys know how much fun we have doing this podcast. So for Cody Stavenhagen, I am Kieran Steckley. Everybody have a great week.